0: Must not go back to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. That help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are;
1: it is our choices. Hey, everyone! Welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and we are covering Chapter 7 of Chamber of Secrets.
0: Mudbloods and Murmurs.
1: As you can hear, Elizabeth is here to cover this chapter. Uh, We apologize for all of the foul language that's going to be spoken. There's a
0: lot of bad words in this chapter.
1: Bad, dirty words. Um,
0: Cover your ears if you're under, like, what, 18?
1: obviously this uh, this chapter is kind of surrounding a dirty word in the wizarding world so we'll kind of delve into that a little bit um, a little later so uh, the chapter starts off with Harry uh, being very rudely awakened early in the morning which would even though I'm I have spent my entire life in sports. My profession that I do, my day-to-day job, is revolving around sports. I've played sports all my life. So I understand Wood's enthusiasm here. (laughs) I do. I really do. However. Don't wake me up that early in the morning. (laughs) Not not about it. (laughs) Not about that life.
0: I think it's funny that Colin is also awake this early.
1: He's just stalking Harry at this point. Yeah,
0: he really is. He's a full-on stalker. He really, really
1: is. I do appreciate Colin's love of photography. And I appreciate his love and willingness to go out there and get the candid sports photography shots. Much respect to him. You
0: can imagine, like, if Hogwarts had a yearbook, he would be a yearbook photographer.
1: For sure. And I'm not sure why they wouldn't.
0: Yeah, they should have one.
1: Um, I do like him, for being so young, delving into his profession so well, because it's like, He's already dabbled in, like, you know how Hermione's, like, top of her class? Right. And she's so good at so many different things. He's already seemingly perfected the potion to develop these photographs.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's only a first year, and it's not that, like, long into the school year yet.
1: No. So he's like, like,
0: this "This is the the very first potion he tried to master.
1: (laughs) Clearly. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And Which you,
0: to be fair, like I would totally do too if I was like you know muggle raised and then suddenly oh, there's the magic things. everywhere. Take pictures of everything. We would totally. Well, this do is that. one of
1: the coolest things. Like I get Harry's; it's not on the top of his head. But if I'm Colin and I'm interested in photography anyway, there's flowers and I make sticks
0: my- and oh well, yeah.
1: But if I could, yeah, if I could make my photography move yeah. and like tell a story, that'd be really awesome. <laughs> It'd be very, very cool. And with, and it's weird because it's like, <laughs> lock because the picture's of Lockhart trying to drag Harry into a picture with him. Right. So it's like, even though you took a picture of an actual event, it's like the characters in the picture are almost...
0: Yeah, they don't cooperate the way you no, want them No,
1: not necessarily. They're like independent, mm-hmm. which is also really cool, I think. Like the which intention. I do find
0: like Harry's reaction to all this really funny because this is the first like real person who's fawning over him twenty four seven. Just he goes with it. He he puts up with it.
1: Uh yeah. So we after the long Oliver Wood speech. Uh that and recap on and on about and
0: on, like what Quidditch actually is that no
1: one's paying attention to. Uh which
0: Fred and George fell asleep. <laughs> I love it.
1: Well, um, I think Johnson and Spinnett were already asleep mm. at the beginning of this whole thing.
0: Yeah, no one's paying attention. No
1: that. one's paying attention.
0: It's just Oliver talking to himself for the sake of
1: like, making up for it, the last year. There's a time and a place, though. Like, you got to know your team. Part of being the team captain is knowing who your team is. And being like,
0: but he's a fanatic, Dan.
1: I I I understand. He's been
0: thinking about this moment all summer long. He's like, I can't wait to talk to the team. I get it. They are just not awake enough for
1: it. I understand. Well, again, know your team, know who you're dealing with. (laughs) But yeah, so after they actually get onto the uh, Quidditch pitch,
0: I like how Ron is like, "Have you guys? Aren't you guys done yet?" It's like we haven't even started yet.
1: But, but they always re- bring they like brought food from the great yeah. hall out for mm-hmm. themselves, not obviously for the team. Yeah, to watch watch the show. Uh, which is another again Wood, you gotta up your game and have like a little breakfast or something. For the team <laughs> <where they're laughs> like, ready to go. <laughs> uh, sports nutrition is important too, Mr. Wood. Um, but anyway, they get out there and then not too long into their practice, I think just after the warm ups, because they were just racing around getting like. Warmed up. Waking up. Yeah.
0: Waking up more than warming up. Uh,
1: the Slytherin team comes out there and we learn that they have a new seeker.
0: Yeah. Malfoy's on the team. Malfoy's
1: on the team. Something he has
0: dreamed about and been jealous of Harry about for over a year now. <laughs> I believe
1: like it's all upper classmen students on the Slytherin team, right? Yeah. He,
0: they said he was the shortest, t- very tiny. Like, very I think tiny. Flint
1: is like a fifth or sixth year. Something it like says that. something like that. They said he was
0: like a troll. Like in size, yeah,
1: just a bigger, thicker kid, but they were yeah. all larger yeah, students, for him. Um, which makes sense. But
0: I just think it's like, okay, so they come onto the field and they're like, yeah, we get to use the Quidditch pitch. But it's like Oliver booked the field and Snape overrules him with that. Which I don't understand because, I mean, like, you with having your job with the the gym and stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you have to book the gym in order to have your practices. Yeah. You couldn't just, like, come in and overrule somebody else's booking, could you?
1: I wouldn't say it's overruled, per se. I would say it's just literally permission to also practice. Because I think Flint says, like, right off the bat, it's like, there's plenty of room for both of us. Which is ridiculous. So. They would
0: would have, like, a full-blown fight after that practice.
1: But you think, now... Practically speaking, like if we were in a, a main gymnasium.
0: Right, it's big enough You could You can, you
1: can put a curtain down, you can't put a curtain down on a Quidditch pitch. But right. there are two goalposts, there are two sides of the field. Right. Theoretically, you'd split it down the half and each team gets a side. I'm sure if it were Gryffindor and Ravenclaw, or Gryffindor and Hufflepuff, whatever, I'm sure no one would care.
0: Do you think there's only one set of balls to practice with?
1: Uh, no, they probably have supplies. Okay. I, I think they have extra brooms and stuff like that, So I was going to
0: say, they wouldn't be able to share it if they're practicing both at the time. I would
1: imagine they'd have extra supplies. But, uh, not that it would matter to the Slytherins, because they would just buy their own supplies anyway, like they just <laughs> bought their their new set of brooms. Uh, they're really just the
0: here to intimidate the Gryffindors, and just be like, look at our fancy brooms that you can never afford. Yeah. Thank you Uh, Lucius Malfoy.
1: The shots fired at the clean sweeps. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's my thing about brooms and since we're on the topic. So brooms, how do those upgrades work exactly? So clean sweeps, the Nimbus 2000 and now the Nimbus 2001, right? What about them is improved? Cuz a broom design can only go so far. It's a broom, right? You can't make it more aerodynamic. It's a broom.
0: I mean, I kind of think of it with like iPhones, how like each iPhone just is a little bit better and just a little but little how? tiny upgrade.
1: Is just the magic get better?
0: Maybe it's like they more finely Shape the broom to be more aerodynamic, or like maybe it's more handcrafted as opposed to just like I don't know, magically done. And I, could, I
1: could see that between like every
0: single twig of the broom comes from a very specific, like,
1: sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that between like the Nimbus series and the clean sweeps. I'll buy you on that. Design could matter, mm-hmm. quality of the wood could matter, I suppose. It's more inherent magical properties, whatever curveball you want to throw at Maybe,
0: like, the amount of spells put on it to protect it from things.
1: Okay, so spells and magic has to be the inherent difference, right? I would assume so. So, are the wizards at the Nimbus company better than the ones (laughs) at Clean Sweep? They're like, we care more about safety? Or is the Clean Sweep still
0: just, like, knock you off?
1: We've talked about lesser-known wizarding professions before, like wizarding (laughs) lawyers and stuff like that the
0: broom designers
1: wizard engineers I mean, are, remember, like, like
0: in the first year they were talking about flying lessons and harry said how it was either harry or ron said the twins were always complaining about the school brooms like vibrating too much when they got too high or like flying slightly left of where you want to go like maybe it's like a shopping cart you know how like you always get that one shopping cart with the a bad wheel or, like, the squeaky sound or something. So, again, Maybe that, it deteriorates after a certain amount of time.
1: I could see that. I could see the magic the weakening on it over yeah. time. I could see that. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's just a thought that occurred to me. Is like, <laughs> they're all hyping... You want a these,
0: quality broom.
1: Well, no. It's like they're all hyping these Nimbus 2001s, and they're like, oh, they outstrike the Nimbus 2000s. I'm like, how? <laughs> Why? What's the actual, like, reasoning behind that? I don't know. Because they make a big deal out of it, and I'm just thinking, like, you can only make a broom so many different. I ways. wonder
0: if there's like the same way you can go get an oil change in your car and stuff. Like, could you go get an upgrade on your your old broom and you know tinker with it?
1: I would. <laughs> I I'm sure you can, and I would respond to that like with, redo
0: the spell, make it stronger, or something.
1: I'd, I'd respond to that with a spoiler, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna not say that. We'll but, save it. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway,
0: they invade the field.
1: They invade the field. Long story short, there's a uh, kerfuffle. I'll say kerfuffle. I mean,
0: that's one way to put it. Yeah.
1: And um, obviously Wood and Flint go back and forth and, and whatever. And then everybody starts, everyone that's there, Colin and Ron and Hermione come down, wonder what's going on. And
0: Hermione has the zinger, which is so, like, it just hits the truth right on the head, which is, I think, why Malfoy reacts so poorly to it. She says, at least no one on the Gryffindor team had to buy their way in. They got in on pure talent. And his response to that, Dan, what did he say?
1: You filthy little mudblood.
0: Oh, that was the M word.
1: Yep. He, he used the M word. Um, so uh, there's a lot there. I love Hermione's sharpness
0: with it. Yeah, she knows it's something. She just doesn't know what. Yeah. It's just the tone of how he says it and the way everyone else reacts. I mean, that is very clear.
1: It, causes, it goes from a kerfuffle to a full-blown like, fight at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, and amongst the fight, uh, Ron, with his broken wand from the Whomping Willow, <laughs> um, decides that it's great idea to try to curse Malfoy, and it goes horribly wrong in what is probably one of the more disgusting curses <laughs> I can possibly think of
0: which i want to talk about this curse a little bit more okay like the logic of it so we know there's the slugs coming out of his mouth he's literally vomiting up these creatures but where do they come from like are they in his stomach and just crawling their way up or are they showing up just in his mouth and then coming out and then like do they just keep regenerating and how long do they regenerate and if it had been with a non-broken wand how long would it have lasted? Can you set like time limits on
1: it? So I'm thinking it, it comes from gut because Ron explains Yeah, because Ron explains that like nauseous feeling and it's almost like you're throwing up slugs.
0: Can you just imagine like the feeling of
1: slugs in your
0: stomach?
1: That's the <laughs> nauseousness that you feels. That's that queasy. It's feeling. That, like
0: crawling around in there, oh god.
1: So I think they appear there, but my question is, this seems awfully effective in debilitating a person.
0: Yeah. Let's go back to the M-word for a second, though. Yeah. The whole mudblood thing, right? When yeah, so they, I... go,
1: they end up going to Hagrid's side to figure out the slug thing. Because right. they figure if anyone's going to know how to deal with this, it's Hagrid. Which is right. good And
0: thing. he's closest,
1: too. Yes, he's also out on the grounds.
0: Which we had to hide from Lockhart, which is hilarious. Lockhart's just trying to sell Hagrid's some of his books, and he's amazed that he doesn't have them already. Well, let's give him the knowledge that he already has.
1: Well, he has to teach... Uh, he taught Sprout how to deal with a Whomping Willow, and now he has to teach Hagrid how to deal with a magical creature. So, Kelpie, by the way, is technically a water demon, and it shapeshifts. But it most commonly takes the form of a horse, is what I'm reading here. Uh, which is interesting to find at the bottom of the web. but
0: you just you have to love hate that one coworker who knows how to do everyone else's job and Does know? doesn't Does know, know a single thing and you know you yeah. i mean you can't call them out on it because it's just like it's awkward but at the same time you're just like i want to punch you in the face because you have no idea what you're talking about sir it's very effective to get rid of him
1: so, yeah, so they uh, they eventually make it past Lockhart into Hagrid's head. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Hagrid inquires as to why slugs are pouring out of Ron. And <laughs> which is a valid question. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get to the topic, which is that, that horrible little M-word.
0: Yes. So,
1: and, according
0: uh, to uh, the Wizarding World, Mudblood is the very, very, very rude comment That essentially means you are not a pure wizard, right? You have the muddiness of muggles intertwined with your pure wizarding blood. And therefore, you are not as great as everyone else, to put it kindly.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting... Word because I feel like those that use it use it as a very pointed slur mm-hmm. that is intending to put down that individual, mm-hmm. whereas some others almost take it as a badge of pride. Um, yeah, you know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, like I am in my blood and
1: yeah. So Ron ends yeah, up going okay. into this long uh, mm-hmm. monologue almost that's broken up only by. Swimming Slug. so slugs. Yes, um, squelchily dropping them into the pan <laughs> or the bucket.
0: I imagine the squelches come from the slugs. They're just like,
1: Eah! oh yeah. Uh, oh well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But anyway, um, yeah. So he goes on to this long explanation of what the word is, mm-hmm. uh, why they're saying that, and mm-hmm. then he goes into the wizard genealogy of like, if we hadn't started marrying Muggles, we'd all have died out. Right. Like it makes zero sense. So right. they're like yes, we're mudbloods, that's the only way we can really go about this. Because if you're pureblood, it's like, where, where are you going? There's only so many left now.
0: Right, you'd have to start intermarrying. I don't know, when I've, obviously when you read this, you're supposed to think of other racial slurs that are used in the real world. And when I read this, okay, like I... Definitely did think a little bit about my own students, because I teach in a very rural, very, very rural district, which is predominantly white. And the area does have racism in it. There are definitely kids who use the N-word. Most know not to use it in class and in school, and they they recognize, like, oh, this is not a good word, and I will get frowned upon by society if I use it. But then there are the other ones who are just flat out, you know, white supremacist kind of mentality. And I was thinking about it a bit as I was reading this and it's it's like a lot of those kids, they live in a bubble where they have never really had to be met with someone who doesn't like, who, who very strongly feels the feelings of like using the N word and stuff. And it's not until they go out into the real world and they get like met with people who push back and, and, and show like, you know, this is not okay to use this word that then they start to change their behavior. And a lot of times their behavior is, you know, based on what they learn from their parents and stuff. And Malfoy is definitely that he has learned the word mudblood from his father. He's never had to interact with people who question if that's, even the right term to use or not, or, or if it's even a thing or not, and being at school with that mentality, like the first conflict of what he's been taught his entire life is Hermione. She is the strongest in the class. She's the smartest in the class. And according to what he's been raised with, she shouldn't be. She should be like way lower than him. So when she flat out calls him out with this, of, of it's not your talent that got you on the team, it's your money, like he obviously takes great offense to that, and it's the recognition of eh, maybe it's not, you know, maybe it isn't my talent, maybe it is just the money, and maybe everything that I have been raised with is a lie, but that's too much for me to be conflicted with right now or confronted with, so I'm just going to throw out the meanest insult I possibly know which is calling her mudblood.
1: So I I do like your point of environment tells you a lot uh, about where that character is coming from. Um, You said you worked in a, or you work in a very small uh, rural community.
0: Yes.
1: I work in the
0: exact opposite. opposite.
1: (laughs) I work in in an urban center where there's, Diversity and a lot of a mix of cultures.
0: Yeah, we don't have that in my school.
1: So, fortunately, but that doesn't mean that I don't hear slurs. I don't hear um, yeah, different kinds of verbiage used right. to try to diminish someone else. Right. Whether that. And sometimes
0: it's just like it's a a power move of look at how cool and bold I am to be using this word that I know is going to get a reaction from people.
1: That, and honestly, it's just used colloquially in that it's just thrown out there without even them intending there to be any like venom behind it. Right. It's just thrown out there as like, you're this. Right. Not necessarily intending to put someone down, even though it is. Right. They just don't even associate it it because it's so common knowledge. It's, or so Such commonly common used. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, which is still
0: a different context. I mean, like you have it's a, a lot of black students. I have predominantly white students. Yeah, and I the way work, they use them are very, very different.
1: I work in a community that's very uh, white is actually the minority at yeah. <laughs> my high school. Yeah. Uh, that I work at, so we have black Hispanic uh, students primarily. We have some Arabic students, um, straight, gay. We have a mm. whole. Mix, um, so you hear a lot of different things right. thrown around. Right. Um, but uh, this this comment by him was obviously very targeted uh, in a demeaning fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he comes from, like you said, a more sheltered, uh, close off environment.
0: Right. Because I mean, he has had money. He's a single child who's never had to like fight for attention. He's already had the comes from a
1: very pure blood family.
0: Very pure blood, and the knowledge that, like, you know, my father has worked for the most powerful, like, villain in the world before. And he could argue. not under his
1: own willpower, though.
0: Well, yeah,
1: he was coerced. He was
0: coerced into it, so we think. Um, but yeah, he has. He's a. He's got the like, you know big man syndrome a little bit of I'm, I'm so much, my ego has been inflated all my life. And now here when I'm confronted with this girl, first of all, okay, feminism, here's a girl shooting down a guy who is muggle born and intelligent and yeah, I mean, she's not athletic, but she can call it the way that it is. I mean, that is probably the most sharp comment Hermione could have made, and that's why he confronted it back with the worst thing he could think of, of calling her a mudblood.
1: We're running a little long on the the non-spoiler section, but I would have to to say this, given the (laughs) conversation that we're on. um, J.K. Rowling herself has been at the front of a lot of blowback, Uh, Because of some of her Twitter statements about the trans community and the LGBTQ community. Right. Uh, We have not addressed it specifically as a podcast, at least on these recordings. Uh, We made a a tweet uh, (laughs) the last time JK said something about...
0: It makes you cringe every time. (laughs) It it
1: does. (laughs) Uh, It kind of hurts your soul as a Potter fan just because Harry Potter is supposed to be about love and acceptance. And accepting those that are different or not um the majority right um so it, it's a little weird uh to see those comments coming from the creator of some of this right maybe um, okay, that's the
0: lesson that we're getting from this of even yeah. if you're different you're loved and i heard tweets kind of are alienating people not kind of they are like
1: and and we'll probably address those as a group, I'd like to get all four of us to kind of, yeah. me, you, Molly, and Anna, at least, together to Disgusting. kind of have a bigger conversation about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll kind of table it for right now. But uh, obviously, we as a podcast do not support <laughs> any of those comments. We love I, everybody, guys. Um, so, uh, yeah.
0: So we leave the rest for the spoilers?
1: I think so. I think we should end it there and, and head to the spoilers. All right. So. All right. We'll be right back. All right, so we are back from break after that intense conversation that we had in the non-spoilers. If you have thoughts on those, just let us know on our Twitter at Hogwarts Pod. Um, obviously, it's a touchy sub subject, so please be kind <laughs> in those comments uh, to us and to everyone. So, uh, but yeah, we'll kick things off with a little less <laughs> serious topic. topic. Um, <laughs> uh, you wanted to talk about some tensions.
0: Yeah, they got detentions for obviously destroying the Whomping Willow and arriving to school late, not on the train. And both of them think they have the worst end of the deal. We have Harry having to answer fan mail with Lockhart, which, to be fair, does sound awful because he talks the entire time and just like about himself. And it's just like listening to Lockhart falling over himself for four hours. It's not fun. And then, of course, Ron has to go clean trophies using muggle magic, um, which he never, ever, ever does. So, of course, he thinks he has the worst end of the job. And, you know, Ron had a slug attack again over Tom Riddle's special award for services to the school. Which, one, like, the fact that the slug attack happens hours, hours later does make me wonder, like, you know, why so late? Like, why is there still that lasting slug attack hours later. Um They were little slugs, huh? I guess little slugs, yeah. Maybe they're just growing <clears throat> in his stomach. But Tom Riddle's special award, this is a huge Easter egg here. So, I mean, there's that, and it's everything they're about to deal with, that they just don't know it yet.
1: No, yeah, it's, it's definitely, well, it's, it's not really foreshadowing, because they don't even say it's Riddle's special service. No, it's just
0: an Easter egg for us to, when we when we reread <laughs> no, it, no. to be like, oh, yeah, look, there it is. So I think that's funny. Um
1: Uh, Yeah, so, well, you never answered the question yourself. What? Which one's the worst one? Detention. Uh, I mean. You can't can't pose it out, throw it out, (laughs) and then not answer it yourself.
0: I think I'd have a harder time dealing with Lockhart because if he's just talking and talking and talking, it's hard to tune him out. Whereas Filch is also going to be talking, but he's just going to be making comments that are like, I could hang you from the ceiling with my chains that are well oiled, and you'll never try to do bad things again, or whatever. And I don't know. It's 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 at least you're moving around and you're looking at the trophies and whatever.
1: I agree. I think <laughs> I think lock would be the worst one for me because it's four hours of doing the same thing, over mm-hmm. and over and While over. While listening and over. to
0: him to talk about it over and over. Which also, from teacher perspective. This is a Saturday detention for four hours, and it goes until midnight. Like, that's as much of a detention for the teachers as they are for the students.
1: Well, for Blockhart, it's answering fan mail. So right, it's so for
0: him, it's fun. But work. it's like, it's, are they getting paid for this? <laughs> this is overtime work, you guys.
1: I mean, you're there anyway? I, I, I don't know. I
0: would rather be asleep or watching a movie or something, not dealing with a kid. Though, I don't know. Also, a little tiny question, which is just because it's me. So, if they they have a curfew, right? They're supposed to be in bed at a certain time, not wandering the castle. So, if detention goes until midnight, they get out of detention. Technically, they're out of bounds.
1: Uh, yeah, I think you're supposed to at least get a pass from the professor. Probably. Of like, hey, he was with me in detention for this.
0: I could just imagine, like... Not that Phyllis like, is going to write
1: you a pass. No,
0: like, I could just imagine them, like, them going back up to the common room and, like, Snape seeing them and be like, detention, you're out of bounds. I'm like, that's not fair.
1: Yeah, I, I assume you're supposed to get the pass from, from the <laughs> teacher that you're with, but... Um, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things that happen um, in this chapter. The big one comes at the end, the cliffhanger. But before we get to the big cliffhanger... Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to kind of bring it back to, um, the conversation in in Hagrid's hut and not the deep intense part of it, (laughs) but you'll appreciate this. This is going to be a book versus movie thing. Ooh. Okay. So in the book that we just read, Ron is the one that goes on this long monologue of what the word is, what it means, why it's bad and the historical context of it. Right. He's the one that spills out all this information, which is essentially what he does throughout the book so far. He gives a lot of magical background to right. both Harry and Hermione, who are relatively clueless on either.
0: Yeah, because they've never experienced it. Right. It's all a first for them.
1: Right. So, but in the movie, in that scene in Hagrid's hut, Hermione is the one that's like, oh, it's a really bad word and whatever. And she gives the context to, to it. mm Yes. Thoughts. <laughs> well, yeah. Now here's my thought on it because this is what I was thinking. I was like, oh, Ron's giving this whole background, and in the movie, it's it's Hermione. And we've already had conversations about how they've treated Ron in the movies, mm-hmm. um, and how they've done his character pretty pretty bad. Yeah. Here's my thought: is
0: <laughs> this is going to be something that like Anna disagrees with you on, isn't it?
1: I don't, It maybe, I don't know. She disagrees with me on almost everything. So we'll see, but um, that's not true. We do agree on some things, believe it or not. Uh, but anyway, my thought is some executive somewhere. I don't know if it was uh, Heyman or, um, or the director or whoever. Mm-hmm. Some person made this call. I don't, I can't fathom it was JK. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was an executive somewhere at Warner Brothers, or a producer on the movie, liked Emma Watson, the actress, or the person, right, better than Rupert Grant. And they wanted to give her the lines, not Rupert.
0: I could see that. And I think
1: it's purely a business marketing, let's put Emma Watson front and center, mm. let's put Rupert Grant a little bit to the side, mm. give her the lines. She's... Whatever. If she was more polished of an actress at that time, she memorized her lines better at the
0: time. Yeah, because I mean, they're, they're children actors, so
1: maybe. Whatever that case may be, but it just hit me as, like, I bet you, without any actual inside knowledge to how Warner Brothers worked on that movie, I want to bet you it's an Emma Watson over Rupert. Episode.
0: And it's one of those tiny things that just drives me nuts about the movie. Because it's like, why? Why? What, why? Just, like, yes, that, but the, like the logic of it. How would Hermione have ever stumbled upon this word? She reads a lot. May, yeah, but like...
1: She can come across the word and the meaning in like history of magic or something. It's not, why would it be in
0: the history of magic? A, huh? Why would it be in the history of magic?
1: Pure bloods and the genealogies of and wizards. Including
0: and, like the slur for them to learn about. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Maybe. I don't know.
1: Um, that
0: also makes me wonder how recent of a word it is. You know?
1: I think that's where you're seeing this. It's, it's not a huge stretch to give Hermione some of these lines, like from a storytelling standpoint.
0: Well, from the movie standpoint, it's she reacts more upset because she understands what the word means and trying to explain right. to Harry, this is what I was just called and it's wrong. It's, it's like an little... embarrassing type of thing to have to admit.
1: And I get the, the uproar about it because you're now having a true... Muggle born telling a half blood about a pure blood insult. Right. (laughs) It's like wait what? Wait what?
0: (laughs) But I think it's more powerful coming from Ron because he's also pure blood and he recognizes that not all pure bloods think like that. That's why it's not like.
1: That's why it's 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 not a
0: thing. They talk about Neville not being able to put his cauldron up right. Sure. No,
1: I and I think that's why I think Emma Watson was able to deliver that better. Probably. And that's why they gave her the line. Uh, quite honestly, it's, it's, it's something as stupid and as simple as that.
0: Yeah.
1: And then Emma more Watson reasons becomes. reasons why it
0: drives you know, me nuts, though.
1: I I, I get it, but <laughs> you know, but it was just a thought I had with Ron, you know, kind of explaining all of this. Again, it's more the book. Ron is not as dumb or as aloof right. as the movies make him. Right. Um, but this is kind of why, I guess. Um, at least that's my assumption. justice
0: for Ron. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so there's kind of a big cliffhanger at the end of this.
0: Very big cliffhanger. Harry Here, hears the voice that says, "Come, come to me. Let me rip you. Let me tear you. Let me kill you." It's violent. Did you like my dramatic reading?
1: I did. I appreciated it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, it's an aggressive way to end the chapter,
0: <laughs> which we know, of course, is the voice of the Basilix, and it does. Like, this is just the first week back of school.
1: Yeah. Which
0: I had never really thought about this before. So with this reading, it was kind of new. But having the snake moving around, like, has the snake just been inactive in the Chamber of Secrets this entire time? Or has it been moving through the pipes, but nobody is aware of it because, like, it's not talking? Because it hasn't been, like...
1: There hasn't been a parcel tongue.
0: Well, I mean, like, Harry is, but, like, so so it's, like, it hasn't been talking because it knows no one can hear it, but now that Ginny's there with, of course, Tom Riddle, like, possessing her, like, did she have to go into the chamber to wake it up, and then that was, like, day one kind of a thing, or day two, because she had to kill all the roosters first, but, like, has it just, has it been going about the castle this entire time, or has it just been, like, chilling in the chamber, and now it's open.
1: The I got the impression that it was kind of like not,
0: not hibernating. It's not hibernate.
1: Nice no, it just has. vessels have an extraordinarily long lifespan. Right. And um, I think it was not locked. I guess it was locked away in the very chamber itself. I don't think it was like free roaming the castle.
0: Okay. Because if it
1: was free roaming the castle, it would. It go like, after somebody in that.
0: right that's what i was thinking but i was <laughs> just like mm, i don't know because i mean i mean Ginny has had to been very busy in this first week back we know she's killed the roosters because the crow or the cock of it is is you know it destroys um basilisks so she's been killing them she hasn't gotten the message on the wall yet of course that's next chapter but like Clearly, she's gone down into the chamber, right?
1: Well, we were kind of highlighting um, just how much Ginny has gotten hooked or sucked into that diary so early. Yeah. Like, again, you said. She's
0: what? She's had it for like a month?
1: Yeah. Because this is the first week of school. Every single day. This is the first week of school, so first week of September, right? Right. And then they went to Diagon Alley and, like, Halfway through August, right? Because Harry got there the first of August, right? Give or take.
0: So, literally every day she's been writing about Harry, adorable, and talking about his background, which of course Tom Riddle is very, very interested in. Um, but yeah, if she's been writing it this much already, I mean, he's jumped on the chance to like put his plan into motion. It's only been a week of school,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, uh, he's obviously extremely persuasive, Mm -hmm. and it's dark magic, and she's kind of gone for it full on.
0: Well, it's not a thought comes to my brain. Like, if Tom Riddle is possessing Ginny, and they go down into the chamber to wake up the basilisk, or, like, give it instructions, or whatever, I mean... She obviously blacks out and doesn't remember any of this, but why is it that it won't kill her? Like, surely it looks at them, right?
1: She's being possessed, right?
0: But when her body be, like, destroyed, if it looks at her while she's being possessed by Tom?
1: I would assume she's speaking Parseltongue through. He's speaking Parseltongue through her.
0: And being like, don't look at me.
1: Giving it instruction,
0: okay. Of like,
1: not only like, do this, go here. Your objective is this.
0: You're free. Go kill.
1: More targeted than that, <laughs> uh, but essentially, yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm. He's literally possessing her to instruct this monster, right. To go do things. So that's why I, I think was thinking
0: about like the the actual logic of the scene that I mean, we Tom well,
1: himself would be still susceptible to the like right, but he's not obviously right.
0: I was thinking about the scene that we don't get to see of Ginny going down and talking to the snake and setting it on. There's a lot we skip. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's why I always... That's why I always have said, like, instead of this line by line through the book series that you want so much, I want to, no, let's go in between the lines. Let's (laughs) go... Let's let's dive deeper than that, you know? Why not?
0: We got to show, not tell.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so... I don't know. There, there, was a, there was a lot to this chapter, yeah. but um, I hope we didn't curse too much while talking about this. And, uh, <laughs> we'll go
0: wash our mouths out with soap. Well, it's
1: okay. Uh, you know, just flowing out there with the mud blood.
0: <laughs> Damn!
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, so uh, do you have anything else with the spoilers or non-spoiler discussion? No, discussions?
0: I'm, I'm just excited to talk about the next
1: chapter. <laughs> the next chapter is a good one um so yeah obviously elizabeth is coming back for chapter eight
0: see you next week uh, the death
1: day party uh will be prepared for her on this one uh <laughs> it'll it'll be it'll be something so with that um we'll end it here let us know if uh what your thoughts are again we're at hogwarts a pod so uh, let us know be kind in the comments
0: yeah and thanks to all our new twitter followers we, yeah, are we happy had a big boost. To, happy to have you and we hope that we continue to get some more, but please okay. let us know your, your thoughts on everything. We've
1: had some more on the Instagram as well. So things are growing. Yay, a good thing. people. We're doing okay. So <laughs> uh, yeah, but for that, um, I'm Dan. You can check me out at Daniel underscore Allen 44 on my personal Twitter. Um, so check me out. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast.